Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, this is Tracy Swedlow, Editor-in-Chief of Interactive TV Today and the co-producer of the TV of Tomorrow show. This is Radio ITVT. The following podcast is called The Essence of Excellence, How to Create Awesome TV Apps. It was a session at our recent conference in New York City on December 3rd. In the brochure, it was described as follows. Making sure the quality of the app matches the quality of the content is one of the most important things a content provider can do to ensure service success. Getting it right is not easy. With so many platforms, operating systems, devices, and screen sizes, it's easy for a content provider to get overwhelmed by the challenge. In this session, a panel of TV app developers and content providers with successful TV apps discuss what it takes to be great. They will examine what is needed to make a TV app shine and some of the pitfalls to avoid that can drag it down. Panelists included Colin Dixon, Principal and Screen Media, and he was the moderator. Helga Holbrotten, CEO of Vimont. Martijn Van Horsen, CEO 24i. Matthew Nelson, Head of Marketing at UITV. Clark Pierce, SVB of TV Everywhere at Fox Sports and Martin Sibelius, COO of Exedo. Don't forget, TVOT San Francisco 2016 will be held June 7th and 8th. Tickets are going to go on sale fairly soon. Keep a watch on thetvoftomorrowshow.com. We hope you enjoyed this presentation. Good morning, everybody. Um, we, uh, I think we are in one of those moments in history where suddenly a whole bunch of things that weren't possible are suddenly possible. Um, We are seeing innovation in every aspect of the delivery of video online today and that innovation is also stretching into the very devices that we're using. So we are seeing for example we've had releases, new releases of all of the major streaming media players in the last three months, including innovative features like voice control, 4K. So into that, we are delivering our video that we want consumers to enjoy. And we want, obviously, we want our services to be very successful. Well, none of that can happen unless you have an app that delivers it to those devices. But it is not easy to create a great app. And that is the subject of our discussion this morning. We are going to be trying to get to the essence of excellence in app design and delivery. And I have a panel of experts here who I guarantee you have been through the ringer on the delivery of apps uh, multiple times on multiple platforms uh, with, in many cases, multiple customers. So uh, I'd like to introduce uh, Helgi Hoibertrin, who is uh, head of Vimont. Um, now, uh, 24i Martin, Martin Van Horsen is, is going to be with us. Um, he's going to be joining us as soon as he arrives. But I'd also like to introduce Matthew Nelson from UI. Matthew, just uh, raise your hand. And Clark Pierce from Fox Sports. And Martin Sibelius of Axido. Uh, some of these names, uh, some of these company names you may be familiar with. Some of them you may not. But I promise you, you are probably familiar with their apps. That they, that they provide to you. 
Um, so I am actually going to get out of the way now, and I'm going to get. I'm going to ask. Actually, I'm going to ask Clark. Um, why don't you first talk about you? You, I, uh, Clark's. Um, let me just skip through to Clark. There we go. I asked a, a couple. Uh, I asked the panelists to provide some pictures of some best practices, some good practice and some bad practice. So, so Clark. Um, I, this is, is this the good practice or the bad practice that we're looking at? Here? Well, I guess it falls under the bad category. I was just trying to. Uh, you, you, had, you had asked for uh, some examples of things that, um, uh, or at least you would ask for one example of something that we learned from, right? So, the, the, if you're familiar with the Fox Sports Go app, and that's uh, that's my main uh, purview at Fox Sports, and Fox Sports Go is is our TV Everywhere app that. You can log into with your your um, your paid TV credentials, and you can watch all the live sports that we have on all of our 242 channels that uh, that we have access to. When we originally conceptualized and started to design and build the back end to power the app, the idea was that it would be essentially a Swiss Army knife for sports fans. You'd have scores, stats, standings, all of our live games, and it would all be highly personalized and customizable with notifications. And uh, you know, very close to launch, we, we we made a very big pivot, and we just focused on the live streaming of video. Uh, we stripped out VOD, uh, and we just basically got it down to the core uh, main product, which was live TV. Uh, so I, I, this is the first thing I thought of was you know what we learned was a very simple lesson of. Uh, you know, trying to be all things to all people uh, at the start is not necessarily the right thing to do. Um, but really, the big thing was the back end. You know, the back end components to, um, you know, that we were building and working with vendors on to uh, to put in place. Uh, it was starting to become so big, and, and and it got us into a place where we knew that we were going to have a hard time to deliver the main thing that the app needed to do, which was live TV. So we stripped it down to its core. Uh, its core mission, and we and we went in that direction. And now your good example. Yeah, so we we um, I, I grew up on the live TV production side, so I, I came into the digital world through linear t TV. And uh, you know, this past August, we were looking for well, for the last few years, we've been trying to figure out a way to deal with the issue of. Uh, we, we have a large amount of people that come into our app that use it as a second screen. If we have NASCAR racing on, people will we have we put the in-car cameras for certain drivers on our app. People like to watch the race on television, and then watch the in-car camera on the on the second screen using Fox Sports Go. But there's a huge delay. There's a there's a 45 second, even up to about a minute delay, depending on your connect connection. And that's the number one complaint we get is why can't it be in sync with my television? So we came up with a, a very simple way to, to solve for this. We did a, a test of something at a college football game earlier this year when Michigan, the first game of the season that we had, Michigan, and played at Utah. We took the opportunity, the Michigan coach who's up in the upper right-hand corner there, Jim Harbaugh, it was his first game as head coach at Michigan, and he's somewhat infamous for wearing khaki pants that, he, that, he, that his wife buys for him at Target. Um, so we, it was a big story that he had left the NFL, 49ers coach, yeah. uh, and gone back to his alma mater. And so we put a camera on him the entire game, and we called it Khaki Cam. And we got a little bit of press about it, which was cool. But we did an experiment where we put his camera, uh, you know, along with the main broadcast feed, which is the bigger box on the left, and then in the lower right is the camera that flies over the field, that's suspended over the field, uh, that we call the Skycam. So we, we put those three images all in sync, uh, and we used basically uh, you know what's called an ME, an available ME in the truck, the production truck, to you know sync everything up, and then we fed that down the line, and the uh, we put it into Fox Sports Go as a separate channel that people could you know people could watch, and it it did almost better than the broadcast on Go. Like then the numbers. You know, we were they were very close together as far as the consumption of the product, and people really liked that things were in sync. So, we're taking this concept and we're going to start to grow it, uh, grow it out from here. I mean, the number one question people had was, well, you know, if I click on the box, I want the I want the screen to come, uh, you know, that screen to come full screen or whatever the case may be. So we're working on some new things, but we used sort of an old 
easy easy approach to solve uh, you know, solve the issue, and people liked it. So, so I, I, I'm not sure. Oh, by the way, we'll take Jim Harbaugh back any time. <laughs> I'm not sure Jeb Jeb you the owners would, but we'll take him back. Um, so, this is one of the really big problems, right, with live streaming. Um, you can have two people watching the same thing, but there are different points. You know, they're they're often seconds, sometimes even minutes uh, away from each other. Sure. How, how did you bring those two to bring bring? Well, together? we we literally we took the internet out of it, right? We took the encoding out of it. We took the delivery out of it in the production truck. We composited these three sources into a single into video a single source video stream exactly, uh-huh. and we did it all there. I mean, so it's not an interactive experience at all. But it feels like an interactive experience because everything's in sync. So, the, you know, you couldn't click on any of the boxes and see the video or get any data or anything. It was just, a, you know, it was like turning on your TV. It was a, it was a dumb interface. But yeah. it solved that issue just, you know, using sort of, using it as a single video stream, as you Because I noticed with the, with the Oscar app, I mean, it, it was a good experience yeah. and a bad experience because right. it was so far behind. And, and that's exactly what we get from people when we have second screen experiences like driver in car cameras. Uh, people will say, you know, the crash just happened on TV. Where's the? Oh, there's the crash. Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's not a it's not a good experience. I mean, it it that's the main issue with doing what we're doing right now is the delay. Yeah. You know, is is the delay and and uh, you know trying to and it gets better and if you're, you have a good connection, um, it's uh, you know it gets a little bit better but it's still there. You know, it's still and it's much more pronounced than the feeds that we get say from the production truck. Before it hits the, you know, the cable or satellite, you know, there's still a delay even beyond that. So it's it's a it's a substantial delay. So if you're following it on Twitter, you know, on social media, I mean, that's the main thing that drives this, right? Is people on social media are following the game, and you know, the goal just you happened. Can't and be and you behind. Can't, what do you mean the? <laughs> what do you mean they? Oh, they scored. They're like, oh, thanks, Fox Sports Go. You're two minutes behind or whatever. And you know, there's not much we can do about that. Right. You know, that's a technology issue that we're all facing. Um, so anyway, we were able to come up with a, you know, sort of an old school way to fix a new school problem in theory. It doesn't fix the problem, but it was an interesting way. And the reaction we got from consumers was they, they appreciated that we fixed it. You know, um, we can't claim that we fixed it, but it wasn't, it was just so obvious on how to do it. We just never saw it. So, but we'll be, we'll be playing with this some more and hopefully we'll make it more of an interactive experience in the future. We'll have one on Saturday. We, We have the big 10 championship game. Saturday night on Fox, which is uh, essentially a college football playoff play-in game. The winner of that will be in the semifinals, so it's a big game. So we should have a really big audience, and we'll we'll uh, we'll have some fun with this as well. Very good. Well, I'm sure we'll be talking about live and uh, live some more on the panel as well. Helgi, you had a, you had a comment? Yeah, it was just uh, first a question. Did you sell this to Target? Uh, we did not. Uh, we we did approach Target. We we sold it to somebody else, but uh, Target did not. Uh... It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli. I guess. Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Target claims they're not their pants, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> But the comment was, we had the f- same issue in Finland. Um, fin- Finnish people, Northern Europe, they really are into all sports with a helmet. And the two of their favorite sports are ice hockey and Formula One. And both of them are pretty decent sports to have multi-camera solutions. So they came to us in Vimon and said, we want to do like multi-camera solution um, for OTT. 
and we were discussing exactly our challenge. Now, not between first and second screen, because the first screen was also the second screen, but we were uh, we needed a way to do make it interactive. So you actually could click on the picture, and it would animate into the main picture. The other one would animate back to to like a small picture-in-picture -picture style. And what we actually did was we put time code into all the encoders, and then we delayed the feeds uh, uh, so that they were in sync with the one that w came in last. And it actually worked pretty well. Yeah. 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 I think so a very easy trick, actually, but it, it was very powerful, yeah. and they are using it. Yeah, NetInsight just announced a, um, a, a similar approach, I think. Yes. So it, it's not fixing the fundamental uh, issue here that you have a delay, but it's fixing the, the problem with having syncs. And it's very easy to do. Anyone can do it. But uh, hold on to the mic, because you, you, sent, you sent me one image um, to discuss, and it's a fascinating one. So why don't you yeah. talk about your, okay. your so, image? So I could bring up a lot of images when it comes to UX uh, on app design, but I think this one is the one I love the most. And it's the Reuters TV app, and if you haven't seen it, please, uh, I suggest you download it. It's on iOS devices, Apple TV, the new Apple TV, iPhone, iPad. Uh, and this is the latest version of the UX. It's been through a few iterations. But basically, this is a news app that gives you the news personalized uh, to the length uh, you want. But it's, it looks like a traditional news program, but it's not. It's a personalized experience that uh, comes together in the app. Now, why do I love this? Because it's so simple. You just open the app and it hits you with a full-screen TV experience that is uh, guessing what you want to see. And it's up-to-date and you don't have to click anything. But if you, want, if you get bored of the news story you're just watching, you can just swipe to next. And you'll see that that is done through animations. It's not like uh, stop, rebuffer, all those kind of things. It's, it's actually, uh, with no hesitation, it just goes on to the next story with a nice little animation. So very proud about working with Reuters on, on this app. I think it is a vision that we could follow more in the OTT space, like getting back to, to the magic of TV. So Clark, we were discussing this morning, you come from a graphics background. And I think actually that would probably be the perfect background to bring more people from graphics into OTT right now because I feel we're doing too much Photoshop UX instead of doing live graphics uh, UX. That's why I also asked you, Colin, to, to show a video today. Yeah. So, uh, so do you have some advice about uh, bad practices? Maybe, well, from this, you oh, yeah, like so, very, so busy, this very, very busy interfaces are probably a bad idea. So basically, and uh, when the app first hit the streets, it didn't go into video straight. It had some beautiful Reuters pictures. Reuters have an excellent picture agency, and they have beautiful pictures. So the first thing that came was like small animated picture uh, displays. Very beautiful, but people were struggling. So what's next? Is this the app? Um, the other thing was like um, uh, you had to make too many choices before you started. And I think the numbers that I can't reveal, but they speak for itself when it comes to what is more successful. And uh, they haven't changed this approach since they found it. And it's been working very well. I, I'm reminded of a conversation. I I'm, I'm moderated a great discussion um, earlier this year at INTX. And Tim, Tim Connolly from Hulu, he talked about um, the mountain of data that they're getting. And the one thing, they're still figuring out how to use it, but the one thing they really focused on was the size and exact position of the sign up now button. And that they really focused on making that as simple as possible and pushing everything else out of the view of the, the user. Um, uh, it seems like simplicity in the interface, I don't know, is it always good to be simple in every aspect or are there some times when you want to provide, like for example, Clark, when you have, you have multiple channels that you want people to be accessing, simplicity, well, you can, you can 
be, be simple, but you still want them to access the multiple channels, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it depends on what channels they get based, you know, based on their cable or satellite subscription. Uh, so there's there's an added layer of complexity on the back end. But we wanted the, the UI on the front end to be as easy. And we had two goals. We wanted to get people into video as fast as possible. And we wanted the video to look really good. Uh, so our, you know, keeping it simple um, was, was also a very big part of it. And that that's what I was illustrating with that first, yeah. you know, Screenshot is just that we tried to go too big, and we needed to keep it simple and give people exactly why they were really going to come into the app, what they wanted, and then we can start to add things, you know, into the future. Are we boring you? Whoever's, whoever's played that video? <laughs> is it? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's really loud. Um, so, uh, actually, let's, 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 Matthew, let's bring you into the conversation. Um, one of the things that you executed with the the crackle interface on um, on Roku was you took something that was an essentially an on demand product. Everything was you get in there, you you find the video you want to watch, and um, you know the crackle app was reasonably use, easy to use before. But you created an interface that was now focused around programmed channels. Right, a, a traditional channel. Talk about how you you did that, and how you you were able to to still make it easy to get to those on-demand assets when people want it. Right. I mean, I think um, just listening to this conversation about motion. I mean, you know, motion is more than just um, you know, sort of pretty things happening on the screen. I, 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 ideally, they're you know telling the user about something that's going to happen next, and it's not just you know sort of motion for motion's sake. One of the challenges is though is um, is how do you render that kind of motion across you know 20 different platforms with the same quality that maintains a brand identity for the brand and um, the Crackle example is a great example and, and we see this with customers all the time from a technology standpoint is you start off in the boardroom and you'll have a executive level uh, strategy around what the business wants to accomplish, whether it's want to drive ad rates through the roof, we want to change the game in terms of the number of eyeballs we're driving, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. In, in the Crackle standpoint, it was we wanted to create um, the energy of live on an OTT platform. And so that's great as sort of this uh, you know, executive strategy. Then they went out to, um, you know, to get the design done. And the design was absolutely brilliant, right? So you, know, you have this example on like a Roku where you have you know, video coming in and there's this 3D transforms happening on the UI to keep the user engaged and going to the next video, the next video, the next video. So there's an example of boardroom strategy down to how do you manifest that from a UX standpoint. And one of the things we talk about a lot is all of that is irrelevant. All of that thinking and strategy irrelevant if you can't get it to actually happen on the platform. And um, so we spend, uh, you know, a lot of our time thinking through uh, the technology problem in terms of, you know, how are you able to build a brand identity across 20-something platforms uh, without any degradation of experience in terms of the motion quality across the UI? But again, not just for motion's sake, it's so that you can answer the problem that the executives laid at the beginning in terms of this is the strategy that the business wants to um, undertake. So when you thought about um, uh, uh, one of the first things, when you get into that interface, there's, um, there's a period of time where it's, it's clear that you're watching uh, a linear stream, but there are some other options, and then they fade out, and you're just focused on now that linear stream if you do nothing. How did you figure out what's the right timing for that? How do you, how do, you do that? Yeah, and it's and it's um, you know it's interesting. So one of the things is from a first of all from a video standpoint, all the videos were marked. So you know when you log on to Crackle, it's always on, and so the video just starts playing when you um, when you enter the interface. But they did a clever thing where they marked the video where the video will start at a really interesting part of the video, um, so you're not just always starting in the opening credits. But from a motion standpoint, in terms of how does it fade and when does it fade, um, we're able to use um, a workflow with just designers on production code, production apps, where they're actually able to test all of the motions and the animations live um, on production devices across 20 platforms to see what that experience is like with different inputs. Um, and it's not prototyping. We're able to do it on the actual devices on production code. So it makes that a very iterative live process with the client. I, I can't tell you the number of times I've been grabbed by 
something. It, it really works. I didn't, actually didn't realize that they were doing that, that they were actually starting, not at the beginning, but right. I just assumed that it was like a channel playing. We, we run into funny situations where we're demoing that with clients where it'll start like in the middle of a gory fight scene or we're like, ah, change the channel. <laughs> no, it's very good. It's captured me many, many times. Um, you touched on something that I want, Martin, I, I want to ask you about. Um, you know, there's tremendous innovation going on in devices today. But I, as a content provider, I, I want to have a unified feel to all of my apps on all of those devices, but I want the best of both worlds. I still want to get access to some of the cool features, like I want to use Siri on, a, on an iPhone or um, you know, some, some of the shape features on the Samsung to, to, to affect my app. How do you balance that? How do you balance that desire for a unified feel but getting the advantages of the individual platform? Right, so unified should probably not mean the same, right? That's just not uh, achievable, and it's not uh, something you want either. And I want to um, turn it around a little bit and say, and, and we've talked about it a little bit before, that before you start doing anything, uh, you, of course, need to be sure that you know who's going to watch, uh, what do you want to achieve, who's at the other end, who's the user, right? So the user, uh, of course, decides um, the uh, optimum experience. But on, not only that, the context in which the user is going to watch and the device type uh, will need to decide uh, how you design the experience for that specific device. And as we've, we've said here as well, and you, I think you asked, is, is simplicity always good? Uh, no. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It may not always be good, but it's a good starting point. So keep it simple for, from the start, and then you add the specific features per, uh, per platform if, if you think that they can add something specifically to the context and to that specific user that you are targeting. I, I wonder, can you think of some specific examples that would help us understand? Um, I think we, we, we can all think of examples. Uh, w what I mean is that uh, we, as, as users, as consumers, we need to recognize, of course, the experience. We need to know that, oh, this is uh, that service, right? That service, yeah. So that means that, of course, the brand identity, the look Hello, and feel, um, uh, exactly. That needs to be there, right? Otherwise, I, I get confused. But... Uh, uh, an intu in intuitive experience uh, and an intuitive service on one device doesn't mean that it could be another slightly different logic on another device but still be intuitive and still be recognizable and still uh, be part of the same uh, overall experience that you want to perceive or want to, to give your, your, uh, your users. Um, so again, start, start simple uh, and make sure that you uh, have the ability to always iterate, to always listen to uh, your consumers uh, and adapt and iterate and improve and evolve the experience. Okay, very good. Um, Martine, I'm so glad you, you, you got here. Um, I think you want to grab, oh, you've got a mic? So I've, you've, got, you've got some examples as well. So let's go back to yours. Okay. So I think that's your, yes. that's your first slide. Yes. So um, it was about good and bad examples, and this is a client. It's called NGZN. Uh, we launched the service uh, last week. Uh, I, I'm Martijn from 24 Media. Um, and what we did is, uh, the fun thing with, uh, with NGZN was that they already had an iPad application, and this was for the big screen. And they said, we really like our iPad application, and we want to have the same experience on the big device. So um, we had to copy the, uh, the application that was on the tablet. 
Um, but the tablet experience is totally different. So we said, uh, we think it's not a good idea, but we will, we will do it if you want that. So we started by creating this application. And what you see here is you see a few matches, but on the right, it's just a still image. So the image is it's not a video. And we said, if you are, are making a surface for the big screen, you have to start with video because people expect video and not still images. So uh, this was the first version, and in the end, it turned out to be the other one. So uh, if you can, oh, I can make yes, just, just the green press button, the green button. So what we changed was we said, okay, you have to start immediately with live video. So Next Generation Sports Network is, a, is an app that has um, 19 uh, soccer leagues across uh, the world in a service here in the U.S. for 8.99, and you can watch uh, unlimited soccer of all those leagues. Um, so there are a lot of matches at the same time. Uh, you want to sh shift, so it's more like a video service, but also an on-demand part with uh, recaps, uh, with um, uh, the summaries, uh, the highlights, and an interactive player that instead of going fast forward and, and, uh, and go back, you can go and shift through moments. Um, but for the TV, the experience is different than for the tablet because you only have your remote. So you have to change it in a way that it's working really well for your, for your TV. And that, this app, we, we changed uh, the UI a little bit so that now, although it's now a still image, uh, it's a running video um, with a larger buttons where um, we still have the same experience as the tablet, but the interface is much more clean. Um, at first, they also wanted a lot of animations in the application. Um, we killed all those because someone wants to watch as soon as possible his content, and he's not waiting for the. Uh, he doesn't um, uh, want the animation. So what we what we've seen is, it looks really nice animations, but you have to use them in a way that is not disturbing for the consumer. You can rather have a really simple service than a, with good content than a really nice looking service. With, uh, while, and you have to click more before you add your content. So it seems like we're, uh, we've got some sort of theme going here. Um, I, I know when we first started um, with the SVOD apps, most of them were on just pure on-demand apps. No video playing. So when you started up, no video was playing. But it seems like we're moving now towards a situation where video is playing when you get into those apps. I've noticed even with Netflix, um, if you select a title now, it starts playing. You don't have to do anything. It just automatically starts. Um, it, it, Clark, do you do this? Um, I can't remember the Fox app. When I bring the Fox app, is video, is video playing? Well, if you're, if you're authenticated, uh, and, you know, it'll, it'll show you the channels that you can see. We don't, we don't have a video playing immediately because of the... You know, and imagine on on your product as well that people have to be logged in to see the video, right? They've no, you can watch five minutes for free because okay. we are hope that people continue watching. So, that, so that's where I was headed. So we're we're working on a free view, uh, we, you know, which is a similar thing where you can let somebody watch for, uh, you know, one time for three hours or five minutes. You know, give them the time to you know find their password, find their credentials, and be able to get in. So. Currently, no, but uh, I totally agree with it, and it's, a, it's something that we're efforting for right now. It's on our roadmap for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's the right thing to do. So um, you also said another thing, that, very interesting thing there, Martin, which reminded me of something that Neil Hunt said. Neil Hunt, from, who's chief product officer at Netflix, said um, earlier this year to me. He said, he called it the moment of truth. 30, he said, you've got about 30 to 60 seconds, maybe 90 seconds to get somebody to a piece of content that they want to watch or they're gone. How do you do that? How, what do you do in the interface to get people within between in that window of 30 to 90 seconds? What are some of the tricks that you can do in the interface to get people to content that they probably will watch or want to watch? Anyone? I see you all nodding. Um, go, go, Mon. Uh, so I think there is no straight answer to that. That goes for everything, uh, every service, every experience. So what you need to do is you need to uh, listen to your customers and A/B test. So uh, you you uh, do two versions and you compare the usage, uh, the traction, uh, all the metrics, and then you go for the one that was the best, and then. You do it again and again and again. Um, 
because we're we're not the same across uh, all demographies and all uh, preferences and all, uh, so, so it's impossible to answer. Okay. So <clears throat> I think we have some 60 years of experience on this, or 70. Um, just imagine us sitting here discussing television, uh, multi-channel lineup television with re remote control, and we were discussing what to do with the portal where you were discovering the content before you could see television. Uh, I think it's so one of the reasons where we're a lot of us are discussing like get started playing the video is that's basically mimics the experience we all have had so many times like. I'm a bit bored. Let me turn on the TV and see if there is something on. And and then you watch, you see something, and you get into it. As you said, Colin, you, it's like if if it's a crackle, the example here, you see the video, you get into it. It might not be the choice that you had made if you'd seen a menu, and you you're like browsing a menu of thousands of different uh, pieces because then you're trying to figure out what is the be best option. But if you get into some video and it actually starts playing, throwing audio and video towards you, uh, you might not end up watching something you've already seen just because, ah, oh, I like that. As you happens you to me. Never, <laughs> never do that deliberately. You never turn it on deliberately. Yeah. Yeah. So I think we're losing out of a lot of the magic that we all know from television when we create OTT experiences. And I think that's actually a moment where, and as you can hear from the panel, it's on its way back in. Yeah. And there is a lot of things to do there. Just simple things, like when you turn on your TV, it normally switch, uh, goes to the channel where you last saw something. Yeah? So why, when you return to an OTT service, doesn't it just start playing off the, where you left it off? Why do you have to pick the same content piece that you left out like halfway, uh, and then you you have to find it, and then you start it, and then hopefully, and in most cases today, thankfully, it will go to the point where you were. But why didn't that just happen? Why didn't it just happen? Yeah. You know, I I had a, a, a TV app developer who's not on this stage. I'll, I'll preface that by saying, told told me earlier this year. There are only so many ways you can put eight things on a screen. We've, we've reduced those all to templates, and it's done. So what are we doing here? Are we, do are we done? Is there really only, eight, uh, only so many ways you can display eight things? And is it only eight things? Well, I think... <coughs> You know, I think some of the, the thinking behind that is some of the reason why just generally, you know, the broad tech world will look at the TV landscape and quite candidly just make fun of where we're at from a, a user interface standpoint in terms of an interactivity standpoint. And, you know, I think if you look at where uh, just entertainment is headed in terms of VR and AR and immersiveness, I think that kind of uh, thinking is, um, you know, it's, 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 it's only going to slow down the industry. And... You know, I think one of even, you know, the, the, the sort of jokes I like to use is like, you know, imagine if you uh, were to say to the video games on all of these platforms, you're all going to be an endless runner, you're all going to have 12 levels, and go ahead and just reskin the game a little bit. We wouldn't accept that. And I think if we think of a game as an experience, and we think of a, a, an interface as an immersive experience, it's as nonsensical to talk about templates as it would be for, you know, a video game on a platform. So uh, there are more than eight ways, more than a few ways to to, to do it. Absolutely, like this thing. This thing is only just beginning, and you know, it's uh, it's absolutely amazing. I think if you look at just from a technology standpoint, um, you know, I use the game analogy, and I'll go back there for a second. Oftentimes, we'll hear griping about uh, the hardware, and it's the hardware's fault. The hardware is not good enough. But I think if you look on those same platforms, you'll have these you know clunky UIs where it's kind of spinning in gray boxes. And then 10 minutes later, you'll come in the room, and on the same hardware, your kid's playing this immersive video game. And you kind of wonder, well, it's just moving pixels across the screen, so what's the issue? And I think, you know, fundamentally, from a technology standpoint, I think, you know, we're stuck 10 years ago using, you know, old uh, technologies that are, you know, CPU-bound technologies. 
And I think if you start, you know, just modeling the industry after, you know, a, a video game context or an AR or a VR context and think, how do we push the hardware in terms of, you know, the GPUs on these devices? I mean, we look at um, the new Raspberry Pi that just launched. So you can literally buy a computer right now uh, for less than many of us spent on our latte this morning. Um, that's capable of running uh, a 3D immersive video game. And uh, when I hear things like that, I, I, I'm, I'm just, you know, anxious for the industry to stop blaming the hardware. And let's start looking ahead at technologies that can leverage the hardware in new ways. And I think if we do that, we can see breakthroughs in not just the UIs, but how we think about them and start pushing the experience forward. Right. Um, before we go to audience questions, and we're going to do that in just a minute, I'm going to ask one more question, and I'll ask each of you to reply, and keep it short if you could, 30 seconds or less. Um, tell me one common misconception that people have when they come to you with, with an app that they want to create. It can be anything. But I'm sure you see this, you know, time and again, you, you, somebody will come in and they'll go, well, we want this app. And, and after you talk with them, you do the discovery process. You're shaking your head because you've heard this so many times before that they want something. So uh, one thing, keep it short. Yeah, so the biggest thing for me is underweighting the problem. And, you know, you know Netflix spends $680 million a year, 3,500 engineers, and Comcast has 3,000 engineers, um, you know, building apps. And I think if you accept that, you know, let's say Netflix is the sort of the baseline in terms of quality across the breadth of devices, you're really left with three options. Um, if when you're embarking down this path, you can outspend them, and no one in this room has a $700 million R&D budget. You can... Um, offload uh, that development and that R&D burden to, um, you know, hundreds of development shops that are out there and um, hope that they're spending $700 million a year in R&D and, and we know they're not. Alternatively, what you can do is you can play to your advantage and say, okay, there's things where Netflix is either, and Comcast and whoever is, either too large, too slow, um, or too risk adverse to go out there and find that emerging technology that's going to allow them to leapfrog even where a Netflix or a Comcast is. And, and I think those technologies are out there. But it's really about thinking the problem too small and almost navel-gazing and not being deterministic in terms of where do I want to go and what's realistic given what everyone else is doing, not just what I'm doing. Right. Martin. So um, I, I, I agree to what was just said. Another misconception is that... Uh, you obviously, uh, you, you have a complex situation. You have a lot of platforms. You have a lot of content. You have a lot of, of uh, technical uh, potential issues to solve when uh, embarking on an OTT uh, journey. So a misconception is probably uh, that you think you are so special and you have so special needs. Uh, probably you do have some special needs, but there's also uh, an opportunity to learn from others. Others have probably had, if not the same exact problem, but similar situations. So you don't have to spend again and reinvent again uh, solutions the, to the, the same, same problem. Way, the same way. Learn from others. Yeah. Clark, what did, you, what, did, what did you realize was a misconception after you uh, got your apps done? I, I grew up in media in, in live sports production, uh, so I underst understand very well deadlines and, um, you know, the sort of the beginning, middle, and end of covering an event and that sort of thing. Uh, building an app is, is like the best analogy I can think of is it's like raising a child because there there is a beginning, but there is never an end. <laughs> uh, and when you bring an app into this world, there is constant daily care and feeding. And when you start to multiply it by the by the platforms and the operating systems and the screen sizes and the user uh, behavior, user habits, it is bigger than you think, you know. Um, so simplicity is a great theme for this discussion. I tell them as they come with a list of things that is, you know, a mile long, you know, like, yeah, what, what are the top three? And let's focus on those three. And, you know, and think about the fact that there is no end, that you will need to support this ongoing, uh, you know, indefinitely. Indeed. Indeed. What do you think? So I think Clark just stole mine, but I'll, uh, I'll take my next one, and that is... Uh, People would come and say, look at, I want this, and they will point to Netflix or some other service. Um, I think that's fine for now, probably, for some. But you really need to find your your identity, and your app becomes your contract with the viewer, as 
as it used to be, like the packaging on the linear channel. So it really needs to be more than just a dumb video player or a dumb like machine. It has to have uh, some character, in my view, because yeah. it becomes it becomes the face of your organization yeah, towards the audience. I like that your contract with the with the viewer. That's an interesting phrase, Martin. I I all agree with all these uh, these comments. But one other thing that we see is the misconception of uh, when I have my videos, I'm done. Um, so the quality will be will be good anyways. Um, we see that um, you have to monitor the quality of your application and your video streams all the time, so that you know that um, uh, maybe it's working really well on your small screen device, but the big screen device also needs maintainability all the time. So it's not delivering your service and you're done in terms of um, uh, the functionality, but also in terms of quality. It's not a, th a thing that you can make and after half a year you come back and it will still work as expected at the, at the beginning. So it's a continuous process of um, make sure that you have the best experience and also really look into the market what's happening um, in other apps or things that, that are invented or done so that you can um, make sure that you have an experience that people will understand a long time because people are using apps in a different way a long time. So you cannot have an app for two years because it will look indeed clunky while the, um, the technology is uh, far, far more ahead. Right. Okay, your questions. Hey, Kobe, You're not going to have an opportunity like this again for a while. Uh, a whole bunch of people that have been through the ring on, on apps. Oh, yes, we have one over there. Ah, 4K and UI opportunities. I, I mean, 4K to me is 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 interesting. I went through SD to HD, and the small little tryst with SD into 3D. I'm sorry, HD into 3D a little bit. Um, there were a lot of lessons learned on that. I think the big big box stores made a lot of money when we all went from SD to HD. We didn't get an extra penny. When we moved everything, we bought all new trucks, all new cameras, you know, all new graphic devices. Like, you know, there was, there was nothing there. But there's no question. I mean, 4K is a part of what we do on the sports side already. If you see those cameras where they zoom in uh, to show a closer angle of a player or something like that, we're using 4K already. Uh, you know, the infrastructure is going to have to change a lot. It's gonna, you know, there's a lot of barriers to it in the home. But I think through the Internet over IP, there's some big opportunities uh, you know, we're we're messing around in that area for sure. Um, uh, you know, VR might might come along a little quicker, but um, uh, 4K is something that, from a Fox Sports standpoint, we are uh, you know we're, we're keeping our eye on. Yeah, we already build a few 4K applications, uh, specifically for Copa de America with Televisa, and there were some big challenges in 4K. It looks really nice. Uh, the problem is, uh, which I already discussed before, is the delay that you get if you have 4K. The, the, it takes a while to uh, to trans and encode, so it, 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 there was a delay of, uh, I think, a minute or two. So uh, people were watching 4K for the nice uh, nice image, but on the side they still had the HD image because it was a little bit far, farther ahead. Um, and another thing we saw with uh, 4K is you have to instruct the consumer really well if they have enough bandwidth, because you need so many ban so much bandwidth that you have to say you cannot use Wi-Fi, for, for instance, so you have to make sure that the consumer understands that he can watch 4K. Yeah, I, I'd like to see us get to 60 frames a second across the board before we get to 4K, because I, I think that can make the viewing experience a lot better, especially on the web, and it doesn't need as much bandwidth. 4K, I mean, your point is very valid. Like The, the amount of bandwidth people are going to need to get 4K, I can already hear those complaints on Twitter. So. Does, the, does the number of, uh, I, mean, I said there's only so many ways you can display eight things on a screen. Does the fact that I have more pixels and it's probably on a bigger display mean I can put more stuff on there? Does it go to 16? Does it go to 10? You, you can. I think the question is, should you? Should and uh, uh, Yeah. So, I mean, there are certainly unique challenges from a UI perspective. And, you know, it can be interesting because you're designing a 10-foot experience both for, you know, SD and then in a 4K world, and you have to consider the UI for, for both of those now. What we did with uh, about displaying content is what you can also – what we do with bigger screens is – not showing only uh, the sports match, but also uh, relevant data on the same screen. Because yeah. you see the second screen applications, but it's in, an, in another screen, so you're, you're distracted. So we're using the big screen to show more additional 
statistical content across the the the, uh, the the match, for instance, but you use do it in a way that the consumer wants it himself. So maybe right. he wants to watch it full screen. That's possible, or he has a specific uh, a club that he likes. So he shows only the statistic about that club. So you you give him the freedom to to decide to what put, he wants to put stuff yes. on there. Exactly. Uh, yes, sir. Question back there. Hi there, Hi there. my name's Jeff Aiken, I work for Cartesian. It was very interesting, Clark, seeing the, the picture of your multi-streaming college football um, app. We built uh, an application for Formula One in Japan and are acutely aware of the, the challenges of uh, delivering you know, three simultaneous streams. It's one thing doing that in a, a Wi-Fi environment, but it's another challenge altogether where you try and recreate that experience delivering over a cellular network. I wanted to know if delivering multi-streaming video over cellular network is something you had considered and, uh, and if you had the kind of challenges you were facing. Well, yeah, I mean, it's... You can, in our particular app, you can only see one stream at a time. Uh, so we, we don't have that, you know, that issue. Um, it might be a better question. You guys do multi do. multicast. It might be a better question for, for Helge. So it certainly adds to the complexity when you go mobile. Uh, not only because you go mobile, but also because you, you, the streaming technologies you're using them um, it can add latency. But it's fundamentally the same. So the fundamental simple way to solve it, if you want to go there, is sync, sync it up. Listen to the latest uh, incoming video you get and sync it up and sync the others up. It's uh, something we spent like a week to to put it into a player, and it's uh, it's working very well. Very simple. Okay, well I think I think we are we are done. I want to keep us on time. I'm I'm so sorry <laughs> we're out of time. Um, luckily, I believe these gentlemen will be around this morning, so you can you can collar them and, and ask them a question directly. I want to thank you for your attention and thank you, Thomas, for your great comments. And uh, looking forward to the rest of the day. Thank you.